You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. I'm Towner French. This is Patrick Martin. I'm Rodney Davis. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. Mark, Patrick, Rodney, Towner, Caitlin to join momentarily. Rodney, are you going bass fishing today? What's what, our listeners can't see you, but you got to look. Well, it's I'm outside on a balcony. I'm in Florida, and it's it's a lot sunnier than in Boston or you know Pennsylvania, maybe Washington D.C. Like when I left earlier this week, it's getting a little hot. You may see me sweat too. Yeah. But no we're bass jealous. fishing. We're, we're I did jealous. fish. I did uh, go fishing with a buddy yesterday off of the beach. And uh, all he did was feed the bait back into the ocean. Yeah. It's the look of somebody who lived most of their life in a state that begins with an I and moved to Florida. It's the look of somebody. It's the look of somebody who uh, spent most of their life on a lake and now is discovering there's a huge body of water. Yes. And, That's and, so good. And, and the good news is, and I hope to make you and the listeners, especially Evan, very jealous. I'm actually looking at that nice ocean as I'm sitting here in the sunshine. So you all can be jealous. Yeah. Working out of our Boca office. <laughs> so, so guys, I have a idea for a new topic this week. Trump? Here's the question I'm getting in every meeting. This is a new, new topic. Is it really going to be Trump v. Biden? Obviously, I'm being sarcastic, bad joke, poorly delivered, etc. But that is literally how every meeting starts. I said last week when you asked that question and we discussed it, that we can just replay that podcast until November. Unbelievable. <clears throat> yeah. It's unbelievable. I got a count here on my fingers. Nine and a half months of it. Longer than the gestation period for a human life, nine and a half months of Trump v. Biden. Rodney. Is that a bumper sticker we can get? <laughs> Too long. The pregnancy actually takes 10 months. I, I, have, I, I, I Mark a, was close. Mark was close. <laughs> wow. Counter, I, I can get you one of my don't blame me, I voted for Dukakis stickers. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would paper things with those. <laughs> Lord. Rodney, what do you make of Trump's ungracious acceptance speech the other night? Uh, typical Trump. I mean, yeah. you, Nikki Haley, I was actually doing some coverage on the BBC that night of the election, and Nikki Haley comes out early. And, and I remember sitting there at the desk talking to my fellow, uh, you know, one night pundits like myself. And I said, you know, it's interesting because she's giving this speech when she knows the margin against her is only going to grow. So she's going to take advantage and act like she came close. And then all of a sudden yeah. it's going to spread. And then she acted like she was a victor. And you know, she did it just to get under Trump's skin, which is easy to do. So then Trump did what Trump did best. And instead of being a little magnanimous, like he was in Iowa, but like he has been with some other candidates who have dropped out, including the governor of the great state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, he decided to go back to his roots and that's what we got. And that's what we're going to have to to expect over the next nine and a half months of Mark's pregnancy. 
I'm not going to give a re- rebirth to the republic, Rodney. That's what this campaign's about. Rebirth to the republic. After smoking with Obama outside a convention in 04, <laughs> Marcus birthed a, a twins, Biden versus Trump again. Yeah. And look, it is what it is. And this, the thing that is remarkable to me, Howard, you and I were chatting about it last night is that I talk to so many people who are not only now resigned and unhappy with the matchup, but so many people who expected it to come out otherwise. So many people who didn't think Trump was going to be the nominee. A lot of people who didn't think Biden was going to be the nominee. And that was a reasonable thought a year or two ago. but. Not not recently. This, this, hardly surprising, Caitlin, that your candidate, who many of us on this screen were rooting for, just just doesn't have a path. Can I just be the eternal optimist, as usual, <laughs> on this uh, Friday morning? Go get him. Yeah, everything there's I just ten, said was addressed to you. <laughs> there's 10 months between now and Election Day. We've had two primaries. Well, we've had the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. Nikki Haley has 17 delegates to Trump's 32 delegates. Why do we continue? Yes, I know it's an, a little bit of an uphill climb. We've got Nevada, which she's not really playing in. And then we've got her home state of South Carolina, which, of course, she's going to continue through her home state of South Carolina. And then we have Super Tuesday. Why is everyone acting like she's not wrong that she has half of the delegates that Trump currently has. We have 10 more months. Why? And I don't love this pressure that I'm seeing for her to just drop out and give up. We've had the first two contests and there's 10 more months to go. And yes, it might be narrow, but there is still a bit of a path here. And there's a lot that can happen over the course of the next 10 months. agree with that. Patrick. I totally agree. Yeah, I think Caitlin's right. And I don't... I don't really buy that her staying in makes it harder for Trump to consolidate support. I mean, it's Trump. This is not, you know, we haven't had a former president nominee in a while, you know? So this is different than when you're a first-time candidate, you know, or you're a governor or a senator, you know, think about Obama and Hillary in 2008. You know, this is not that. Trump is Trump, and he comes with everything all of us already know about him. I don't think Haley hanging in for a while has any material difference on his ability to consolidate support. In fact, you could maybe even make an argument. I'm I'm not a Republican, so I defer to my Republican colleagues if this makes any sense. But you could you could argue that given all the legal uncertainty, everything else, that having someone stay in for a while and run a credible campaign is almost like an insurance policy in case something crazy happens. So what, what Rodney Towner, Caitlin, if you'll excuse me, Howard, taking over the, the moderator for a moment. Somebody tell me the path. What is the path where at the end of the Republican convention in Milwaukee in August, I assume, where somebody other than Donald Trump is the nominee? I'm all, by the way, as our listeners know. I'm an anybody but Trump guy. Put up as somebody who's got a better chance of beating Biden. It's better for the country. Please do it. I as, just 
Mark, as as Brett Stevens said in the New York Times, path is a Big Mac. Well, fair enough. Although, (laughs) as I said on last week's podcast, I don't know the party rules, but I promise you they'll nominate a dead Donald Trump before (laughs) before someone else. And they, and it's frustrating because the RNC is already trying to rig this. They're already they're pressuring her in a way that we've never seen a national party pressure a candidate to get out so early in the race. Towner, I know right. you well, yeah, the, did you, on the path, so I'm going to pitch it to you. I feel like this was orchestrated, though, the RNC thing, because Trump got so much negative press for for going up there and just wailing away at her at the night of uh, New Hampshire that all of a sudden the RNC thing by one of his closest RNC supporters the resolution comes out and then he's able to go on Twitter and and knock it down saying, no, I'm just going to beat her at the ballot box. And, you know, I feel like this was, uh, you know, let's, you know, maybe he overstepped on Tuesday night and he needs to bring it back orchestrated moment that maybe. I don't know. Uh, my my uh, feeling is when when people treat things as an inevitability, that's when you're in trouble. Yeah. Just like in 2016, we treated Hillary as an inevitability and what happened? The unexpected. I don't, I mean. But look. isn't the fun, there, aren't there two fundamental problems, at least with the path? One is that this is not the same Republican Party, Rodney, as it was in 2016. Trump has reshaped your party. And it is a majority MAGA party at this point. And that's the other problem, which is that so many of your primaries, as with many of ours, this is actually not a partisan point. So many are winner take all. And he's going to win them. This would be a good Professor Alderman moment. But if you look at prominent insurgent primary campaigns against either incumbents or establishments, they never come from the moderate side of either party. It comes from, you know, if you point back to Ronald Reagan, go back to Reagan in 76, Pat Buchanan, I mean, there's a whole host of Bernie Sanders. These these challenges are meant to show vulnerability from either the right or left flank. It's, It's hard to imagine someone running from the center and overtaking someone who has clear majority support of the base of the party. Rodney. I'll argue there was one candidate who surged in 2000 that was the moderate wing of the party, the more independent wing, and that was John McCain. And that's who Nikki Haley tried to emulate in New Hampshire just on Tuesday night and failed. She had, we had record turnout, but that record turnout. Rodney, who was the nominee in 2000? George W. Yeah. Yeah, yeah even had he, she can emulate him, and it still doesn't get the nomination. Everyone I named lost the nomination too, and they all—all all those people you come up with that come from the right or the left—they they end up hurting the ultimate nominee in the general because they expose inner party division. But none of them ever became the nominee in that election. Arguably, Obama two thousand eight is the exception that proves the rule. It's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things to kind of take from some of these comments. Uh, remember, let's go back to 2016. Trump was not the right's favorite candidate. That was Ted Cruz. Remember, Ted Cruz won Iowa. He was going into New Hampshire, going further to the right, had the same consultant as Governor DeSantis did, and, and got the same result. 
ended up uh, not being able to uh, to continue because Trump took the middle of the road Republicans and also the new MAGA wing Republicans that people were entertained by him. And let's not forget, too. And it's happening again. It doesn't matter what Nikki Haley does. It didn't matter what Ron DeSantis did. It didn't matter what Tim Scott or anybody else we've talked about on this podcast did. The media, the earned media, the free coverage that Donald Trump gets every day and got in 2016 is something that is never taken into consideration as to how he be how he has become so popular, especially amongst a group of blue collar workers that used to vote Democrat up and down the ticket that now would walk through burning coals for this guy who we already know was president once and lost. And now he's going to be the nominee again. I don't see. Any Especially power. amongst a group, I would say popular exclusively. amongst a group. <laughs> yeah, but Because popularity lies within the group of people you're talking about. I think outside of it, it's non-existent, but, but there's enough of them where it matters. Wait till it becomes a binary choice yeah, between a Joe I, Biden I and a Donald Trump. And then you're going to see a lot of people say, he hasn't fixed the border. If he hasn't addressed some other issues like crime, you're going to see suburbanites that hated him four years ago. I think hold their nose and vote for him again like they did in 16. Agree to disagree. Yeah, I don't think they're going to, but but that's the the entire election is going to be decided around that exact. What do those people do? The funny thing is, I'm starting to get clients that expect Trump to be elected, and are starting to say, "Well, you know, policy on this, you know, Trump's going to be much different than Biden." And by the way, he isn't. Excuse me. So, no, Mark, I mean, this was, uh, I'll tell you what the, this was in the context of crypto. And it's a, it's a very good example. I mean, I don't know exactly, we don't know who's going to be in what seats, but there was no daylight, virtually no daylight between Steve Mnuchin and Janet Yellen when it comes to crypto policy both fairly anti-crypto on the yeah, neither Trump nor Biden even knows what crypto is by the way so or knows they, or they are alike in that respect well but that's the that's the point that I I hear you fair <laughs> fair point the, that's the fair point. point that proves the rule I understand that certain spouses who don't who will never hear this, this podcast who don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> Yell at the television more if one person is on the screen versus another. But the reality is, like, people assume this. And obviously, the tone is very different and globally. But take China policy. Take China. Where's the daylight between Donald Trump and Joe Biden on China? Point. Tell me, Mark, where is it? There are policies on which they are closer, policies on which they are farther apart. It's, I am simply going to place a marker and remind everybody that a second Trump term is going to look nothing like anything we've ever seen before. 
They are organized. They are focused. They are set up to deconstruct. Oh, your deep please, Mark. Power. That's a bunch of and electoral no, I, BS. They can't deconstruct the federal government. I know that it they're sitting there in heritage trying to think about how to fire all the civil servants. Not happening. I mean, look. Not, let's talk about a Trump. FDA, okay, as opposed to a Biden FDA, yeah, okay. We well, got a COVID vaccine from the last one. Hey, Caitlin, Caitlin, don't jump in here. The two old men are arguing at six a.m. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm waiting for the path. By the way, I'm pivoting back to somebody telling me. Did you just call me old? <laughs> you guys are like you guys are yelling at clouds right now. <laughs> no, I'm just take the FDA. It's there's. there's there's no difference between, I mean, the bureaucracy runs the FDA. There's no difference, but there's very little daylight between a Trump FDA and a Biden FDA. Not not on uh, reproductive rights, which is an issue. You're, tell me how the two of them are shoulder to shoulder on reproductive rights. What's the FDA got to do with it? Yeah, what does the FDA have to do with reproductive rights? Trump, Trump he, personally has been very pro-abortion over the course of his lifetime. <laughs> yeah, and in his speech no, 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 no. What is the, the caucuses. What does the FDA have to do with that? They pull the uh, morning after pill off. That respectfully, affectionately, that dismissive wave of the hand is why Joe Biden is actually going to win by 70,000 votes in the aggregate over three or four I, states again. And I'm going to vote for him. But I just, but my point is at the level at which most of our work gets done, it's not that different. It's even between these two towners, it's not that different. You know, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it isn't. But sometimes, you know, because they're both going after the same populist voter base right now they're both trying to they're they're both having a life or death you know democrat versus republican struggle over over who's going to win over uh you know non-college educated white males uh blue collar that's it there's no more there's no more soccer mom this year i think i've said it about 10 times this week but there's you haven't heard the term phrase soccer mom in 10 months because there's a whole new voter base. And so they're all aligning their messaging points. Trump and Biden right now are aligning their messaging points to win over that narrow band of, of, of voters. And so, you know, I don't know who can outpopulist the other at this point right now, but uh, but they're both trying. And part of that is a strong uh, anti-trade agenda. That's number right. one. They both agree no on daylight. a strong anti-China agenda. No daylight. Um, yeah, no daylight. So, you know, it's because they're going after a sp specific sector of voters where you see their their issues align. Um, but the interesting thing is their issues don't align on some of the social policies, which mean nothing to white, male, non-college educated, blue collar workers like abortion. They could care less. And so their issue areas are not going to align there. I mean, Patrick, you and I spent a good part of the week out in Minneapolis because where else do you go in mid-January but, but Minneapolis? I mean, you know, it's not, it's a natural. I mean, people are interested in this because of 
because it's it's interesting. But like I said last week, they have their issues, and it it really doesn't impact their issues. And they're they're thinking about the things they're thinking about, and they're not sitting there fretting about uh, maybe on a personal level some are but they're not sitting there fretting about the impact that a Donald Trump White House is going to have on whatever on Dakota County Minnesota I think that's right I think everyone because uh, we talked to a lot of people working professional government relations and law and I think everyone in the first Trump term kind of just learned to deal with the personal over here and do their job over here. And I think, yeah, we talked to a lot of people who are kind of preparing to do that again. It didn't dominate our conversations, um, which which I thought was interesting. It's going to be a much different Trump 2.0 term. Uh, the people that he put in place are going to be much different at these agencies than what he had from 2017 to 2021. That is going to change how those agencies, I believe, are going to be able to be accessed and impacted. And, and I don't think people should look at what happened over those four years and in our business assume that that's going to be the case again. This will be populated by more heritage, loyal individuals that have a much different philosophy of governing. And probably ironically, um, in, the, in the, the attempt to take out the bureaucracy, they'll create more. I don't disagree with that. And uh, yeah, I know the heritage head group has their whole thing, but I also am betting on us. The one thing I don't think will change is just the complete lack of discipline that Trump has. I mean, he, he is not, all of these people are going to try to manage up to him and the same fundamental core problems of, and, and problems uh, maybe in how the government was run opportunities for us as advocates, because it was just so chaotic all the time that you were able to find ways to talk to people that were kind of unusual. But I would just say that I, I still think, Rodney, I hear you, but some of the same cultural things will exist just by nature of who he is. I mean, he's he has his own leadership style, and I don't think that will be fundamentally well, different in another term. Like the idea that the idea that he is going to be able to focus single-handedly on you know, doing this, that, or the other thing. The guy is all over the place all the time. I mean, there's just, that's just not, it's giving him way too much credit, I think, but. Well, apples and oranges, uh, our, our business, the government relations business, the business of our clients, which is our business, the business of our clients will continue. They, a Trump 2.0 is not going to end interaction with federal, state, and local governments. By the way, state and local governments, as we saw in 1.0, may become more important and more active. But on the Apple side, our business, the business of our clients, will continue. It will be different, and it may be different yet again, Rodney, I agree, than, than 1.0. However, here are the oranges, and Howard, I'm just coming back to it. There are certain core issues that you can agree to disagree on, but on reproductive rights, on climate. Climate will be a very different issue in Trump 2.0 
than Biden 2.0. Now, you can think that's a good thing. You can think that's a bad thing. But I just don't think this equivalency, while it holds on an issue or two or three, there are core issues that I am hoping and predicting enough voters care about that we're going to get a Biden 2.0. But we'll be back out of the Paris Accords. Maybe you applaud that. Maybe you disapprove. I'm not saying that there's no difference between them. I'm just saying that there's the issues on which there are many, many issues on which there isn't a difference between them yeah, from but, a policy point of view. And people are going to the polls based on crypto policy. I think a lot of people are going to the polls based on reproductive rights, of climate, and of more. Well, no, I mean, reproductive rights, of course, that's driving election outcomes repeatedly. Yeah, we need it to drive one more outcome. One climate, more outcome. <laughs> climate, I don't agree, is driving election outcomes. And what has Joe Biden done that's so revolutionary on climate? He's inserted it as a consideration into all of his other policies. It, it's, I, I think you're thrusting us into uh, inflation. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you, Towner. Hey, no can, I, can I make a quick comment about something Mark said before we get too far away? Mark, out of all the fruit that exists in the world, why in the world did you have to pick an orange when you were talking about <laughs> Trump versus Biden? That's kind of yeah, fair enough. Was was that a sign? Was that something you did instinctively? Apples and pineapples. It was instinctive. It was an instinctive comedy. But uh, let's go with apples and pineapples. I here, here, here is the issue that I don't think people realize what Donald Trump does, and, and I realize it because I was impacted both positively and negatively by it in my elections in 2018 as it was negative, 2020, as it was positive. And 2016 also, it was very positive. Donald Trump brings out a voter that is just doesn't vote unless he's on the ballot. They don't care about any of the issues. They only care about him. And trust me, they come out in droves when he is on the ballot. And they will vote Republican up and down the ticket. In 2018, they did not come out. And I almost lost. Frankly, CNN said I did. But I didn't. They were right the next time they said I lost. But not that time. But I had the exact same candidate who was more well-funded in 2020. She was their number one priority in the DCCC. And I beat her by 30,000 votes because those low propensity voters just in my congressional district came out. And that's a reason, too, to be optimistic that the House and candidates running in these certain districts that may actually not change hands because of these low propensity Trump only voters who vote Republican up and down the ticket. So you look at some of the most competitive races, that to me is an untold story that doesn't get talked about unless Donald Trump is on the ticket. Nikki Haley or anyone else does not bring those voters out. While that person may be leading in the polls today, it may not be the case as we get closer. And a Donald Trump being on the ballot I think is actually better for a House to remain Republican. I wouldn't necessarily say Senate, but a House to remain Republican. But the Senate should be so easy this time. Well, can I, Rodney, I'm going to jump in there. And I'm not I'm not knocking what you're saying, but I'm saying the, the scales may be tipping a little bit too, though, because 
there are not as many Republicans willing to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, when you look at hard R and hard D turnout numbers for, you know, a normal presidential candidate, you would expect anywhere between 90 and 95 percent of hard R's or hard D's to vote for their respective candidate once the primaries are over because they are high propensity voters. Donald Trump got a little less, I believe, than 90 percent in the 2020 elections. He's currently polling at 83 percent of hard R's, whereas Joe Biden is polling at 93 percent of hard D's. And so even though Donald Trump drives out his voters, he's losing everybody else in that calculation. And so it's a very that's why he's going after that voting population that I mentioned before, because he needs to replace typically hard R's who are very motivated to go out and vote. I think I would certainly fall in this category. I'm going to go to every ballot box that's available to me, given my profession, and I'm generally going to vote mostly only for Republicans. And But, you know, my decision has uh, been already made in my head as to who I would be voting for in this election, and it wouldn't, I would be in that 17%, not in the 83% at this point. So, well, given the confession you just made, yeah. which I applaud, I, I, ha I have to understand how many ballot boxes will be available to you. <laughs> well, it's DC. They send at least seven mail-in ballots uh, to my house. How many do they count? <laughs> it's, it's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's on your political well, party, Mark. <laughs> at least four of the people were dead that they sent <laughs> ballots to my house for. Counter, well, I, agree with, I agree with you, but remember, this polling is done on a national stage. Where do those 17% live? Do they live in the targeted congressional districts that the Dems are trying to overtake? Do they live in, in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan? No, they're overwhelmingly in areas where the decision of the electoral votes has already been decided. I, I just don't agree with that. And I think as you get closer, I don't agree with that. No, no, no. I don't agree they, with that. They live oh, right here. They're my neighbors, neighbors uh, Detroit suburb. I, I don't agree with that at all. They are going to, they, well, they didn't vote for him in 2020. My point is you're going to have record turnout again. Many Republicans swallowed and, and said, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I just can't handle Trump are now going to have something to compare it to. And I think some so of them may flip. change. So you're going to, you think they're going to flip back? Some will. Well, something you said, Rodney, is, uh, going to keep me awake tonight because what whatever agreement there may be on crypto policy there is going to be a world and i mean the entire world there is going to be a world of difference between a divided government and a unified republican or democrat for that matter government a republican house which i don't predict but but a Republican sweep of the House, the Senate, and especially if the Senate is 55 instead of 51, wow, that a unified Republican government uh, is, even Howard thinks that's different than Biden 2.0. I would just also note that the people we're talking about that flipped to Biden in 2020, they did that before all those people stormed the freaking Capitol and tried to like, like, I mean, I just think say what you want about Biden, but I think it's a I think it's a quite a bet to believe that those people are going to flip back 
I get the whitewashing of January 6th and MAGA world, but like the college educated Republicans and independents we're talking about, I just do not believe that they're going to that they're going to flip back again. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but Townard and Howard, anyone else, I just I don't see it. If you haven't flipped back from January 6th, uh, 2021 to now, you're not going to flip back between now and November. And they're all going to vote for Nikki Haley I, as long as I, I she's disagree. in the primary. And yeah, I disagree. That was my big prediction last week. You're going to see a lot of never Trumpers looking at the world right now and looking at where we are and making tougher determinations. You even saw Jamie Dimon came, come out last week and talk about how he's preparing for Trump 2.0. You're you're seeing House members that privately behind closed doors do not like the former president come out and endorse President Trump. You're seeing even Senator Thune, Senator McConnell not endorse, but tactically acknowledge that he's probably going to be the nominee. And I think we're going to be surprised again to the point of don't underestimate and make the same mistakes that we all made in 2016. And I do think that there's going to be some never Trumpers that soften over the course of the next 10 months. That said, I still want Nikki Haley to be the nominee. There you go. And how it took counter Tim Scott uh, a a minute to flip? Yeah. Do you think Tim Scott and his private ballot is voting for Donald Trump, though? That's the that's the key. And so here's what I will say. But that's here's thank you for your indictment of the Republican Party. I didn't have to to be vice president. Yeah. For every Trump voter that wouldn't admit they were voting for Trump in 2016, that ended up voting for Trump in 2016, there's going to be a Republican voter who says publicly they're voting for Donald Trump in 2024 who will not be. And I will make this this bet with anybody here that he will have under 88 percent hard R support come Election Day in November, and he will not even come close to winning the White House. Well, that's what well, should happen, but we don't know what's going to happen in the world. It, but it's going to be close. Last year, it was 70,000 70, votes across five states, four states make up a number. It, it's going to be some crazy number like that again. We're a very divided country. It's going to be a very close election. The The question is what it's not just who votes for Trump, it's who votes for Biden, too. What does Michigan look like? We're going to cover that in our. Cousin Currents Weekly this coming week with a very with a I'm going to tease the the headline, uh, a very fun, very fun headline that will uh, relate to perhaps relate to my alma mater. Are, are you going to be getting an email from Steve Cozen and Brian Flaherty after this issue? <laughs> you're on mute. Oh, you're on mute. Yeah. I'm on mute because Brady Schweitzer is so upset at the prospect of Donald Trump <laughs> being reelected that he's barking like a madman. And I thought I'd spare our listeners from that. You should leave it in. That's a, it's a good well, I got my version of Brady down here next to my ankles. Peter is very interested in the conversation. One, <laughs> predict, one prediction I made in Minneapolis, I will say if Trump does win, which contrary to the people on the other, a lot of the people on the other side, I do accept a reality in which he can win. Like I recognize that, it, that there are two candidates and one is going to win and one is going to lose. And I live in the real world. But if Trump does win, I bet you that Biden will concede and go to his inauguration. If Trump wins, 
uh, or if that's if Trump wins, if Biden wins, it's going to be the same thing we saw the last time. We're going to be having all sorts of weird conversations about weird people living in Neptune. I Stop can't wait. Steal. Stop. Yeah. I mean, it is just it. it and, and you know what? Another year of this, and I'm not going to stop talking. It's just garbage. It's total garbage, and we all know it. And if we have to deal with that again, if the end of the year podcast, if our Christmas Carol podcast has been getting ruined by another round of Stop the Steal, it's going to be a Grinchy Christmas for me. Yeah. Vice uh, President Harris is going to make it a different January 6th than, than 2020 was. We actually reform the electoral count process, so right, it's it's even more strict, even more. Just yeah. Yeah, so like, guys, it doesn't make any sense to storm the Capitol again, okay? It's procedurally, <laughs> it's totally different. It's stupid, but but exactly. maybe maybe the, Dem- exactly right. maybe the Democrats will the procedural change will will indicate <laughs> to MAGA world that a riot on the Capitol is not important. That's they are very why focused on that. Why well, haven't what, they what, read in HR thirty four twenty three that changed the procedural count information? How do they not know this? Hey, what, listen, what? Tanner, listen, listen, listen. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that you're going to have upset people, but I think. The way our country is right now, the volatility and the polarization, I wouldn't necessarily think that if Donald Trump wins, there's not going to be protests again. Remember, in Trump's inauguration in in 2020, in in 2017, there were violent protests uh, in the nation's capital. So that they didn't storm the capital, thankfully, but there were. Now, my main question, as soon as Donald Trump is the nominee, which Kaylin, I'm glad you're optimistic about Nikki, but she's going to get smoked in South Carolina and she's got to make a decision. Am I going to pull out before I lose my home state so badly that I don't have a future? Or am I going to go through with this and lose my 30 plus points? But when Donald Trump gets the nomination, every Republican member of Congress is going to be asked, are you going to certify the election if Donald Trump is not the nominee? Are you going to certify the election? I want every Democrat to be asked that, too. Because I sat and watched Jamie Raskin and Jim McGovern and so many others stand up and object to Donald Trump winning states like Alabama and Florida. So if it's good for one side, it's got to be good for the other. If the electoral count can never be objected to, even though it's a process where it allows objections, and I didn't vote for any of those objections, I didn't support them, but you can't ask one side and not the other, especially going into a volatile election like this. Get everybody, Republican and Democrat, on record and make the electoral count peaceful again. Well, fine. It's not the same thing. And any anyone listening to the podcast who feels like we just roll over on this stuff, I just it's not the same thing. Joe Biden is not going to be encouraging Democratic members of Congress to object if Trump wins. Rodney, it's not the same thing. If you have the leader of the party there, that's there getting everyone ginned in- up. There were trying people to piss trying everyone to get off. electors to flip in 2017. No one cares what Jamie Raskin or any individual member of the House is doing. Most people don't even know their names. It doesn't matter. It's if if Trump is ginning people up and ginning members of his party up and trying to convince everyone the whole thing is stolen. Are you telling me you think Joe Biden's going to do that if he loses? He's not. He doesn't have to. 
there will be other forces that will do the exact same thing that they did calling Donald Trump an illegitimate president in 2017. There will be the same type of forces that allowed the violence to take place during the inauguration that I witnessed. Did it rise to the level of January 6th? And I witnessed it. I don't think anyone else remembers it. Patrick made the salient. Patrick made the salient point. President Obama attended President Trump's inauguration in front of that massive crowd. And President Trump did not attend President Biden's inauguration. It starts at the top. And let's get to a world where Joe Biden got reelected. Then we'll worry about what Donald Trump is saying. Hey, you know, Nine, nine and a half long months. Time, <laughs> Ten months is a long time. We gotta, we gotta find something else to talk about for for Amen. At least nine of those ten months. <laughs> Tony, what happened in eighteen eighty with the rules committee? Yeah. Oh I'm, my God! I'll filibuster this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please. All right. Well, I'm not sure that we solved the world's problems, but an interesting discussion. Yes. It's going to be a long nine and a half months. I want to hear Towner next week on the Red Sea. Let's talk about something else that matters. I'm happy to. That's championship week predictions, NFC, AFC. Do we have time? Tough. It's tough. What do you think? Patrick, you called out the topic. You make the predictions. Right. Um, I mean, this one is rooting more than anything else but given that the 49ers looked a little shaky last week i'm 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 gonna say detroit's gonna get it done and make history by going to the super bowl for the first time it would make it would make uh my wife and her family very happy and happy life so i'm i'm lions (laughs) and then i think we're uh i think we're gonna get some more harbaugh this year (laughs) i think i think the ravens are gonna get it done and I think we're going to have a Lions-Ravens Super Bowl. And everyone in Michigan is going to be happy for various Harbaugh-Detroit-related reasons. That's my prediction. I think uh, I'm going Chiefs-49ers just to be... Well, that's the be... chalk. That's the chalk. But I'm I'm with Patrick. Let's, let's mix it up this time. Change it up, Detroit-Baltimore. The my good thing was... is any two of these teams is... I mean, they're all worthy, so yeah, it's good. My, my prediction is I am still going to black out the media so that my daughter doesn't know that Taylor Swift is just up the road in Baltimore this weekend. Uh, since Taylor Swift boycotted D.C. and Baltimore on her tour, we're trying to prevent any information getting out on this uh, this proximity. We've got a, a lot of new Chiefs fans this year, that's for sure. Yeah. Mark told me over dinner last yes. night. He's now a big Taylor Swift fan. So big Taylor Swift fan. Woman of the people. Tay-tay. She skipped over. She flew over Beltway Country. She doesn't care. Let's fly over country to Taylor. She's a, a woman a of the people. Yeah. She's a Swifty. Mark, you're a fan. Clara Jane Alderman, age nine, is a huge Tay Tay fan. So her grandfather is now too. Oh, love it. Awesome, Caitlin. What's your prediction? I mean, I think it's all about Taylor Swift and the Chiefs. And I like I like the, a good underdog story, and I think Detroit would be an exciting um, kind of new uh, They're good. coming from behind. Congressman, take us home. Look, I'm rooting for the Lions to go over. Of course you are. I, am, I, I would love to see Detroit play anybody and win, but I think it's going to be a rematch 
of the 49ers and Ravens. And I think the Ravens win again. All right. Wow. All right. There you heard it here. Guys, uh, spirited as always. Thanks. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. You've been listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.